Welcome to the Derek Prince Ministries podcast, helping you to grow stronger in God. For more than six decades, best-selling author and Bible teacher Derek Prince has been a source of inspiration for millions of believers around the world. You too can benefit from his compelling biblical insights. And now, Derek Prince. Yesterday I spoke about the tremendous cosmic changes that were produced in the unseen world by the death and resurrection of Jesus, and in particular how it affected the destiny of the souls of believers at death. Today I'm going to speak about the next great phase of God's program, the reuniting of soul and body at the resurrection. In this talk I'm going to focus on the resurrection of righteous believers. In the New Testament, the resurrection of righteous believers is always closely associated with the second coming of Christ. The Greek word used for this normally is parousia. Parousia means literally presence. We need to bear that in mind. Of course, if somebody has been away and then again becomes present, their becoming present indicates their return. So, naturally, it can be rendered return. But we always need to bear in mind that its primary meaning is presence. Now, there are many different prophecies relating to this event. There are also many different interpretations of exactly what's going to take place at the return of Jesus. For my part, I will just offer one simple expression of opinion. It seems to me on the basis of the meaning of the word parousia that it need not necessarily be one single brief event but that it could be something that continues over a considerable period of time, even a period of several years. Now, that's just an opinion. Rather than go into the controversial aspects of this subject, I would like to content myself with stating five main purposes which I see will be fulfilled by the coming, the return of Jesus. These are the five purposes that I see, and I certainly am not suggesting that they are the only purposes nor am I necessarily suggesting that I'm stating them in the order in which they will happen. So, here are the five purposes. Number one, to receive the church as his bride to himself. Number two, to save Israel as a nation. Number three, to overthrow Satan and the Antichrist. Number four, to judge the Gentile nations. Number five, to establish his millennial kingdom on earth. Obviously, some of these are interrelated, and as I said before, I say again, I'm not necessarily asserting that the order in which I've listed them is the order in which they will happen, although there does seem to be a certain reason for thinking that that must be somewhat the approximate order. Now, as an integral part of all this, the resurrection of righteous believers will take place. This is described by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4:13 through 18 and he's speaking as he indicates by revelation. But we do not want you to be uninformed brethren about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus that is those who have died in the faith. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. We do need to bear in mind that these are words of comfort and to receive them in that way. They're not words of confusion, but words of comfort. The primary purpose of Paul's teaching here is to comfort Christian believers concerning other Christians, relatives, or other loved ones who have died. These Christians who have died are described as them which are asleep, or more precisely, them which sleep in Jesus. This means those that have died in the faith of the gospel. Paul's message of comfort is based on the assurance that these and all other true believers will be resurrected. The actual picture which Paul gives of this phase of the resurrection is as follows. First, there will be three dramatic sounds to herald this phase of the resurrection. The first sound will be the shout of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is in agreement with the words of Jesus himself in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. All that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. It is the voice of Christ himself alone that has power to call the dead out of their graves. However, at this particular moment he will call forth only the righteous dead, only those that have died in the faith. The calling forth of the unrighteous dead will be reserved for a later phase of resurrection. The other two sounds that will be heard at this point will be the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. The archangel here referred to is probably Gabriel since it appears to be his special ministry to proclaim upon earth impending interventions of God in the affairs of men. All through the Bible, one main use of the trumpet is to gather the Lord's people together in any special time of crisis. Thus the sound of the trumpet at this point will be the signal for all the Lord's people to gather together with him as he himself descends from heaven to meet them. Upon earth, two great events will occur in swift succession. First, all true believers who have died in the faith will be resurrected. Second, all true believers alive on earth at that moment will undergo an instantaneous supernatural change in their bodies. Then both these companies of believers, those that were resurrected and those whose bodies were changed without dying, will together be swiftly raised by God's supernatural power from the earth up into the air. There they will be received into clouds, and within these clouds they will be reunited with their Lord and with each other. Thereafter the Lord and his redeemed believers shall forever be united in the unbroken harmony and fellowship of heaven. The same event is described by Paul also again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, where he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means we shall not all die. And I would like to point out that sleep is only used in the scripture of those who die in the faith because it speaks of an awakening. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we, that is, we who are alive on earth at the time, shall be changed. What a dramatic event that will be. I love that phrase, the twinkling of an eye. It means that at one moment you and I as believers will be looking at one another, we'll see one another just as we've got used to seeing one another, 
and then there'll be a kind of flash of brilliant light that will cause us to blink just for a moment. And when we open our eyes after blinking, we'll see one another completely different. In just that split second, our physical bodies will have been totally transformed by the supernatural power of God, and we'll have a totally different kind of body. That's the glorious hope that lies ahead of every true believer. In various places, Jesus compares his coming again to that of a thief. For instance, he says in Revelation 16, verse 15, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Also in Matthew 24, verses 42 and 43, he says to his disciples, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. So again there Jesus says that there's some kind of a correspondence between his coming again and the coming of a thief. This is in agreement with the phrase that was used by Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where he says we shall be caught up. The Greek verb is harpazo. It's used in various other places in the New Testament. For instance, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 39, we read, The Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Philip suddenly disappeared out of the sight of the eunuch by whom he had just been baptized. And uh, the eunuch went on his way, but Philip was no longer to be seen anywhere. The, the translation there is snatch away. Then in John 10:12, speaking about the wolf coming amongst the sheep, it says the wolf snatches the sheep, the same word, harpazo. Matthew 13:19, it speaks about the birds that catch away the seed sown by the wayside, and it says the evil one snatches away the seed. And in Jude, verse 23, it speaks about snatching people out of the fire. That's the same word that's used in every one of those passages. I think as we put the passages together, it gives us a rather vivid picture of what's going to take place when Jesus comes. That verb, harpazo, to snatch away, suggests one single, swift, violent act. It's all going to be over very quickly. Just like a thief grabs something and runs with it, not stopping to look back for a moment, so Jesus will come and take his people to himself. However, there's one important difference between what Jesus will do and what a thief does. The important difference is this. The thief takes that which does not belong to him, but Jesus is only going to take that which belongs to him. 1 Corinthians 15:23, speaking about this tremendous moment that lies ahead, it says, those who are Christ's at his coming. Christ is coming only for those who are his own, only those who have been redeemed and completely yielded to him so that they no longer belong to himself but to Christ. Are you one of those? Thank you for listening. 
For more inspiring teaching, visit our website at dpmuk.org forward slash podcast. And like our page at facebook.com forward slash dpmuk to join our online community. Derek Prince, teaching you can trust. <laughs>